0: Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Thank you, Sage. Thank you, Lord. Turn with us tonight to the book of Hebrews, chapter number four. Hebrews chapter number four. Just grateful to God for the privilege to gather. Appreciate the good Holy Spirit. Um, I honestly I could say it's been good for me to be here. If I had to leave right now, I just thank God for the opportunity to pray um, among the saints of God. Appreciate that as uh, we keep and continue and draw nearer to uh the coming of the Lord, I think it it probably doesn't get easier, um maybe challenging even uh for the best of you. But oh how glad that I am that God is faithful. Never changes, the Bible said, faithful in everything. And uh we pray tonight that the word of God will just help us all. Hebrews chapter number four Familiar scripture tonight. We'll begin at verse number 12 and just want to read 12 and, and 13 tonight. The Bible said, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts. And intents of the heart, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Father, open your word to our hearts, and boy, I pray as a people, we would open our hearts to your word. We thank you for what you're going to do. We pray for your guidance. Ultimately, Father, we ask more than anything you speak. Just speak to us. for We know our hearts will be encouraged and strengthened. And we pray the word of God find its mark in us all. We ask this believing as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, A, a simple thought tonight. I, I don't know if... Uh, We want to title it as such, but I'll state it this way. The why is as important as the what. The why is as important as the what. I believe the text that we read to you will become uh, important as we get to it, but I want to first start the message tonight by saying that Oftentimes, we make mistakes when we repent. A lot of the things that we do that that make us guilty before God are the result of a bigger problem that lies within us. Oftentimes, we repent of what we did, and we fail to acknowledge why we did it. And here's what I'm certain of, if you don't deal with a why, you'll do it again. We don't deal with what's on the inside, certainly not as often or as critically as we should. We sin, yes, and we recognize that sin. In the presence of God's Word, our sin is manifest. And for Bible believers and Bible knowers, certainly sin has a hard time hiding itself when it has been manifested through your own flesh. In other words, when you commit sin and you know it, you see it, you recognize that there is a need for you to repent of that sin. For instance, if I say a harsh word to a brother or a sister or I'm unkind in in an attempt to, to do anything in their lives, I may repent of having been unkind. But the question is, why was I unkind? What motivated me to be ill toward another person or to sin or to carry out any contradiction to the Word of God? What is it that drives us uh, to be sinful? And oh, how I think tonight we need to be careful for just a minute as we begin to look just a little deeper on the inside. Now, if you have sin in your life and you know that it's there, I don't have to tell you about that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful grateful to God that I'm not your babysitter. I'm not the one trying to correct you or keep you. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work and I believe he will do everything that needs to be done to remind you and I of when we sin. But listen, when you repent may I say tonight, let's be careful that we not simply repent of what we did but repent of why we did it and allow the Holy Spirit to root deeper in us and to excavate to pull from us those things that are innate within us that cause us to sin in other words let's deal with the why why did we sin you know what I can blame a whole lot of stuff on my temper I can blame it on my attitudes I can blame it on this or that but you know what I have not any excuse to offer before God when I fall short and miss the mark concerning Christ, I can tell you right now, repentance is necessary. But if we're going to really get to the root of the problem, we're going to have to dig down and find out why we sinned. I believe it's important to God that we acknowledge why we sinned, why we did what we did. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about the devil made me do it. We know it's not true. The devil doesn't have power to make me do anything. He certainly is a tempter, but I have a choice of whether or not to obey or disobey God. I have a, have someone that's greater that's in me than he that's in the world. But I believe the Holy Spirit is intent on finding out why we do stuff. Now, there's truth in all kinds of things. Sin often is simply the result of the desires of the heart, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All three of these things are, are, are combined on us to cause us and tempt us to sin. And we often do sin. And when we do, we'll repent of sin. But so many times we look past why we sinned, and we miss the whole point. And we end up sinning sinning again because we didn't deal with what's the root of the problem. Why did we sin? I want to give you just a couple of examples or so from the word of God to see if I can help make this contextually at least important to us. The Bible said in Acts chapter number 8 there was a man and woman named Ananias and Sapphira. The Bible said they had a possession and they sold it and they brought the price a price that they had decided on, they had brought a price to the apostles' feet and they laid it there having claimed to them that that was what they sold it for. Now, what they did was they lied. The problem was deeper was not just that they had lied, right? If if, if all they had to repent of was to for having told a lie, chances are some of you may have told a lie today. Some of you may have told a lie today, may have said something that was untrue, and just as soon as it came out of your mouth, amen, you're thinking, why did I say that? Lord, forgive me. And all oh, what you ought to do is ask yourself the question, why in the world would I lie about that? Why? What caused me to tell that lie? Was it because you needed to look good in front of somebody else? Was you trying to do something that promoted yourself or someone else? What was the root of the cause? What Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, what he said to them was why have you lied to the Holy Ghost why have you hid in your own heart this evil I can tell you right now God knows what's in the heart he knows why we do what we do and if we don't deal with the why the watch are going to continue the things that we actually commit that are sinful, listen, they're just, they're just symptoms. They're just the things that are showing up because what is really the problem is still on the inside of us that needs to be dealt with. What the Apostle Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, listen, he said, whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Listen to what he said. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, you see what the Holy Spirit knows is that that most of the sin we commit is because we have conceived that sin in our heart. What James said was is it was a product of our own lust when a man's tempted he's drawn away and enticed of his own lust, and sin when it's conceived or 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 when it's, when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. All of these things are simply symptoms of the bigger problem on the inside is that we're prideful by nature. We have innate problems within the flesh. And if we're unwilling to allow God to forgive us of those things and deal with the inward part, we're going to continue to fail and have to repent over and over we'll continue to commit those things that are the what's as opposed to dealing with the why and seeing it better the Bible said in Acts chapter number eight uh, concerning Simon the sorcerer this was a man who had got saved according to the gospel the Bible said that he believed and was baptized and he followed Philip around the city And the scripture said that there came a time when some of the disciples had laid hands on some and they had received the Holy Spirit that when Simon saw that, he asked him if he could buy that power from them. He wanted to be able to do that himself and he thought he could purchase it with money. And we know that Peter responded to him fairly harshly and he said, your money perish with you if you think you can buy the gifts of God. But ultimately, let me read what Peter said to him in verse number 22 and 23. What he said to Simon was, as he said, Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps, listen, the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now, if we just look at the surface and see what this man did, we might say to ourselves, well, he just made a mistake. He didn't understand you couldn't purchase the gifts of God with money. But what the apostle knew was is that the reason he wanted to purchase it with money was because he was in the goal of bitterness. What the apostle perceived through the Holy Spirit's reckoning was that he was in the goal of bitterness in the bond of iniquity. And that is what has to be dealt with. What is inside of us is what causes us to sin, and, and we need to deal with what's causing the problem, or we'll never fix the what's that are constantly those things plaguing us in our life. You say, preacher, there's things that I repent of, and I turn around and do it again the next day. I contend that you've never dealt with the inner part. You've never, you, you keep dealing with the what, and you've never dealt with the why. You never dealt with why you do that. You've never been before God long enough to say, Lord, I continue to do this thing. Would you help me understand why I do it? Would you expose what is in me that we might deal with this, crucify this before you that I would no longer be tempted to do the what? We could go on. I want to mention one more The Bible said concerning the rich young ruler that had come to Jesus. The Bible said that having said all of that when they went back and forth, finally Jesus said, you know what, go sell all that you got and give it to the poor. You know what he was getting at? (laughs) He was getting at what he knew really to be the problem in the man's heart. It was a problem he had in his own heart. And Jesus dealt with it. When Simon Peter rebuked the Lord... You reckon rebuking Jesus Christ is sinful? Imagine that rakes right up there with the best of them. But Peter, in his boldness, he rebuked the Lord Jesus. And Jesus turned around and told him, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. And what he said was, is because I know your heart, that it's not after the things of God, but it's after the things of men. What he understood that Peter's problem was is he was thinking like a man. He was trying to solve the problem for himself and not concerned at all about the way of God or God's will or God's purpose. It's important that we dig deeper that we allow God to deal and whether or not uh, you know this is probably a message for all of the flock certainly but I'd I'd say tonight that if if just the ones that are here would be willing to spend a little more time in prayer and introspection, willing to change, willing to allow God to bring from the inside of us those things that ultimately are really the problem, I believe we would see success when it comes to seeing sanctification and holiness accomplished in our lives day over day. So that brings us back to our text. Brings us back to our text. You say, how in the world am I going to realize or get to the place to where I can identify what it is that's, that's causing me, right? The why of my sin. What is it that's causing me to be in error and in contradiction to God? And so I want to look at those two verses again, and I want to say to you tonight that I believe with all of my heart that the word of God is the answer to our sinfulness. The word of God is the power that will identify in us and deal with the problems that we have with our own sin nature. Look at it with us, verse number 12. The Bible said, for the word of God is quick. We'll stop right there because I believe it's important what the apostle Paul was trying to say is that the Word of God is two things. It is fast, and it is alive. Now, in these little Bible apps that you've got on your phone, I checked mine again today. I like that. Let me be clear. I like having that Bible app. It's awful handy. You know, you can just look something up, and I can look a verse up, or I can search a word. But it's also got a little deal in it that when you hover over a word, it'll give you an option that says define. And when you go to define them words... Let me just say it this way. They didn't do much effort in trying to give you a definition. Because when you look up the word quick in your Bible app, all it will say is that it was fast. I want you to know the word of God is more than that. And I believe that what the apostle was referring to was the quickening that causes one to be alive. Often we find in the word of God that quick indicates that one is not dead but alive. When he resurrects us, friend, there will be a day of judgment. The Bible said that the quick and the dead shall stand before him. That means the alive in Christ and the dead in Christ will stand before him. I'm glad today that when we look at the word of God, it has power for us. But may I say that the word of God is quick. It's able, you see, faster, I believe, than the speed of light. The word of God is often referred to as light. But I want you to know that it's faster than light. Light is the fastest thing known to men. Right, They measure light years, and there's nothing within our realm of comprehension that's faster than that, a light year. If you can imagine it, the distance from the sun from 2314 Tipton Loop Road is a long way. Thank God for that. It'd burn us up if it was any closer. And yet, just about the time, Lenny, that it comes up over Chilhai Mountain, I can see it. Just about the time that it starts to rise over there, it's already to me. It's that fast. You see, light is the fastest thing that we can understand on this earth. May I say to you today, the Word of God is faster than light. It's faster than light. It is faster than it. You say, preacher, how fast is it? Listen, if you want to run from the Word of God, here's what I'll tell you. Before you get to your car, he's already there. You can try to get away from God, but wherever you go, He's already there. He is omniscient, omnipresent. The Word of God is quick, brother. It's past, but it's also alive. It's also living. It is not just a word, friend, that is to be spoken, but it is a word that has power when spoken. It is a word that has power to do things. And brother, when it comes to everything we need in the deliverance from the sin that is in our life, the word of God is able to provide it. It is quick. It it, It makes it to us, friend, in the fastest way, but also it is alive in every way. People today want to think of the word as a book. The word of God is Jesus. The Word of God is Jesus. This book is Jesus. These words are Jesus. They are the life. They are the light. These are the words of Christ. And according to the psalmist, they are forever settled in heaven. What is settled? Jesus is settled at the right hand of the Father and He forever will be. He is the Word of God. And that's what captures men's soul is the Word of God. The Apostle Paul said it's quick, it's quick, but it's also powerful. Oh, how grateful I am that the word of God is powerful enough to convict me, convert me, and comfort me. Amen. The word of God has a power you see that no other man had. The Word of God was able to do for me what nobody else could do. The Word of God was able to convince me of my sin and at the same time advise me of my Savior. He was able to bring me into unison to the will of God, to a repentant repentant heart, and bring me to conversion. I want you to know that no man could do what Jesus did for me. The Word of God was able to convict me. There's people sitting here tonight, and uh, I don't... Don't have time to go through everybody's testimonies, but I've heard them. And many of you would testify tonight that you were a drunkard or a drug addict or or an atheist or as lost as you could be. And may I say to you today, the Word of God got you, didn't it? (laughs) Hey, man, when you were the one person said, there ain't nothing more powerful than me. There's nothing that can get to my soul. And the next thing you know, you're weeping before God before the power of a word that captured you. Bless his name. A word that is able to arrest the soul of the most wicked of us all and to bring them to their knees weeping before God. Amen, we've seen it. We've seen the glorious power. Let me start with this. I've been there, (laughs) right? It wasn't any different than when I got saved. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God reached into my life and it convicted me. It did what no one else could do. It went where no one else could go. It went to the depths of my spirit there it it found an awareness in me and I began to see my sinfulness. And then, friend, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he brought me to that place of godly sorrow and I repented and cried unto God to save me. By the power of the word of God, he saved me and he wrote my name in heaven. (laughs) Now, the only thing the Apostle Paul could really compare in power I, he wrote it in second corinthians like this he said for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds The apostle would go as far to say that the word of God is a power that can pull down the most wicked and fortified strongholds that are in this world. You say, preacher, I don't think God can do that. I believe there's some sitting among us tonight would testify, yes, he did that for me. He breached the walls of my wickedness. He breached the walls of my fortified and unbelieving heart. He tore down the gates of my resistance. And in the power of his Holy Spirit, he saved my soul. God has that kind of power. The word of God is powerful. It convicts, it converts, and it comforts. Oh, to God, the comfort part Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When your soul is in despair and you think there is no help for me now, the Word of God blasts through. Your doubt and despair and your misery and your hurt and your pain and your suffering. And the word of God rescues you as the Savior does. Amen. He moves in you and he rescues you with a power that only he has. The word of God is powerful. You see, we sit in our benches and, and we nod and acquiesce to the preacher's, the preacher's comments. But may I say to you today, I hope you feel it. Amen, it doesn't do you a lick of good if you're sitting there and saying, well, I I think I get it. No, I want you to know it. I want you to be able to say amen to the truth tonight because you know the word of God is not dead. It's alive in you and it has power. It has power. We needn't go back to the book of Genesis, but we could. But I'll remind you what spoke into existence, everything you know. The Apostle Paul would come back and summarize it for us: that by His Word, the worlds were framed. That sound powerful to you? He said, "Let there be light, and there was light." I'm gonna give Alfred a test. Alfred say, "Let there be anything, and let's see if it happens." We don't have the ability to make anything happen. We can't say, let there be anything. You say, what's the point? The point is you powerless. Which to me exacerbates his power. It just exalts the power of my God. He's powerful. He's powerful. How many times do we we go into these things thinking somehow that I've got to work this out. I've got to figure it. May I say to you today, the Word of God has power. It'll deliver you. It has power that you don't have. The Word of God is Jesus, of course. The Word of God is powerful enough, we find, that it can... Caused the blind to see. Right, you remember that? It caused the deaf to hear. It caused the lame to walk. The Word of God is powerful enough it caused the dead to rise. And in our unbelieving condition sometimes... We'll think this thought. We may not say it out loud, but we'll think it. I've reached the limit of what he can do. The word of God has no boundary to its power. (laughs) I feel like an imbecile trying to describe to you the power of his word. I, I cannot fathom it on my best day much less try to inspire you of it right now. But may I say to you, the Apostle Paul tried. He said the word of God is quick. He he was trying to get us to see the greatness of what it is that God has entrusted to. He said the word of God is quick, and he said that it is powerful. It is powerful. We could spend more time there, but... But he also said this, he said it's quick, it's powerful, but he also said it's sharp. He said it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, in his day, the apostle was trying to get the sharpest object that he knew of. And in that day, it would have been a sword that was sharpened on both sides. A sword that when it goes in, it cuts. When it comes out, it's still cutting. It can cut this way. It can cut that way. It is sharper, he said. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. I'll confess to you today that the word of God has cut me from the bottom to the top. He has cut me sometimes to the place where I wept And other times to where I laughed. He has cut me going in and cut me as he was coming about. He has cut me on this way and he has cut me. And I thank God for the sharpness of the word of God. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Well, I believe the apostle spent more time with this particular function of the word of God than he did on any of the others. Look at the text. What he did when he he said quick, he didn't elaborate too much on quick, less than I did. He didn't elaborate much on the powerful part, less than I did. But he did elaborate when it came to it being sharp. May I say to you today, there is no one that can get beyond the sharpness of the Word of God. <laughs> I don't care how long you have been an atheist. I don't care how long you've been a drug addict. I don't have, how long you've been a prostitute, an unbeliever. Doesn't make any difference. The Word of God is sharper than anything you can know. You say the Word of God can't get me. I beg your pardon. There ain't no one it can't get to. No, he began to explain how sharp it was. He goes into more detail concerning this characteristic of the word of God than he did any of the others. He said, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. He said, piercing even to the dividing asunder. Number one, he said of soul and spirit. Now, Let me see if I can help us with this. Man is a triune being created after the image of a triune God. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and he created us in his image. And you are three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Some some think of it like this. Body, mind, and spirit. I want you to look at how the apostle takes and describes the sharpness of the word of God. And he captures all three of those. Body starts with soul. Which the soul is the seat of our affections. The soul is the seat of our desires. When you say, I hate someone. I I love someone, you are speaking from that part of you that is the soul, the mind, the, the, the feelings, the place where our desires reside. It is the place that when you die, it dies. Amen and hallelujah. That part. One man said it like this: if you want to look at it, he said that let's let's make a big circle, and the outer ring is the body, the next ring is the soul, and the center ring is the spirit. He said that the word of God is sharp enough, piercing even to the dividing the sunder of the soul from the spirit. Now, he said soul and spirit, but let me ask you a question. When you die, how do you think the separation is made from this this invisible consciousness that is your mind, your psyche, from your spirit? How's that done? It's hard for us to separate the two. Right, because when I think of myself, I think of myself all-encompassing. I think of myself as the spirit man which was born again. I think of myself as the, as the conscious awareness that I have been ever since I took a breath in this body. And I think of myself as as a human, right? I've got flesh. Now, it ain't hard for me, Lenny, to talk about the flesh, Right? I've buried dozens if not hundreds of people in my lifetime. I get that part. We die. That's the flesh. But when I think about what else dies, the soul, right, the seat of my affections, which may I say to you are corrupt. They've been corrupt since my birth. I was born selfish. I was born prideful. I was born with lusts. I was born with all of these things that my mind has to concentrate. You know what we often attribute the soul to is the heart. Right? When your heart gets broken, it ain't that thing pumping blood. No. It's the invisible, immaterial psyche of you. It's your soul. And thank God, that's that's going to that's cease one day. That's going to that's stop. The Bible said that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. <laughs> I'm over my head, let me just tell you. But I'm trying to... <laughs> Only Jesus can separate those two. The Bible said that the sword is sharp, so sharp. See, it goes beyond our comprehension of sharp. Right when we think of a sword, right, we're not really thinking sharp. Right when people get put in the army, they don't give them swords no more. Right, they give them guns with bullets and stuff. We might think of a laser today, but it's way more sharp than that. Right? See, because a laser can only pierce what it can see. The Word of God, <laughs> it can get to the invisible me. And it can deal with the invisible me. Let me be clear. My flesh does what my soul Says My flesh ain't running this show. Whatever you want to call it, mind, heart, soul, whatever however you want to see it. That's that's who I got a problem with. My flesh just does what it's told mostly. Right? Now it gets hungry sometimes and it it protests. Right? We get those appetites from the flesh. But other than that, the Word of God is able to divide, to separate soul and spirit. Now, let let me say just a word about the spirit. The spirit is the inner man. The Spirit is the inner man. The Spirit is the man that will live on when body and soul have departed, when they have ceased to exist. The Spirit will live somewhere forever. And let me tell you what my goal is, what my hope is, what my prayer to God is is that we can get people in this building, Lenny. Because <laughs> if we can ever get the Holy Spirit to touch their inner spirit, they in trouble. They're fixing something happened to them that they wasn't expecting. They're fixing to get changed, born again, made a new creature, given a home in heaven, name written in the Lamb's book. Friend, if you're going to get born again, it has to happen to the inner man. May I say, he's invisible too. And yet the word of God, don't you love this? That's applause, by the way. I like to applause what Jesus does. The Bible said that the word of God is able to, to cut in that inner man, that invisible man. That man that's going to live forever, he can deal with him. And that part that's, That's my mind, my heart, my my affections, my desires, my hate, my loves, all those things that are my soul, he able to deal with him too. But he also said that he was able to do the same thing to the joints and the marrow. Now what's that? That's that's this business, this flesh. The word of God can deal with my soul. He can deal with my spirit. And he can deal with my flesh. You say, wait a minute. The word of God can deal with all those things. Yep, and he can do it quickly. huh? He can do it powerfully. And I mean sharp. Precisely. Accurately. Listen to what he said next. And the Bible said, and is a discerner. Now, I love what the apostle does here. He goes back to, the, to our problem. He goes back to our real problem. And that's the soul, the mind, the thoughts. I love how he does this. Not only is he quick, powerful, and sharp, but the word of God is also a discerner that means he can critically think and know exactly what's wrong with you. And the Bible said, in that quick, live, sharp, powerful word of God, he is able to discern even the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And the heart is no more than the soul. The heart is, is that invisible you that is tied to the Adam nature. And God's able to deal with that, Alfred. It ain't no wonder the apostle Paul said, I believe he's able to keep me. I, I believe able, what I put in his hand, he's going to take care of that, and he's going to take me through. The word of God, you see, is powerful enough to do all those things quick enough, sharp enough. And before you ever sinned, he knew not only what you were going to do, but he knew why you were going to do it. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So so I'll close with this. So that takes us to verse number 13. Let me say how grateful I am to God for his word. (laughs) Oh, the word of God. Let me tell you something. Wednesday night is no less important to me than Sunday morning. (laughs) If I've got to handle that book right there, that makes it a serious event for me. And the word of God... What I know about the Word of God. Now, the devil beats me up over this, but what I know about the Word of God is it's got the power to save people. Get them in here. Amen. Get them in here. Whatever you got to do. Because I am convinced that the Word of God can get them. He can get them. One old fellow was talking about it like this. He said, well, he said when I really got lost, was when my grandma shook the hounds of hell on me. May I say to you, it's heaven, it ain't hell. The hounds of hell ain't got no use for you. But oh, when those of heaven get after you. <laughs> you say, what is that? It's the Word of God. And who is the Word of God? Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. And that's why the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharp, and a discerner of our thoughts and tents, because the Word of God is not an it, it's a who. It's a person. It is Christ. So we find in, in the last verse, verse number 13, look at it, we'll close. This is this is why I say that the most important thing that we can do as the Christian believers is, is call our neighbors, call our family, call our friends and say, would you go to church with me? And if they say, I don't want to wait till church, tell me about Jesus now, great. But if you can't get that, just try to get him in his house. Because I believe that every man is naked, fully exposed to God. Look what it said in verse number 13. Neither is there any creature, nobody. Who? Nobody. What about my neighbor? Nobody. What about that drug addict? Nobody. Nobody. Listen to me. (laughs) This is important, folks. Listen. There is no body that is not manifest in his eyes and everything about them naked. There is no covering. The word of God does not immediately pull off When it looks at you, when it looks at me, when it looks at your lost friend, when it looks at your neighbor, there is no time in my life that the word of God is fooled. It immediately strips the cover and looks at all of me. Which is an encouragement. Because if we can get them in the house... You say preacher that sounds absolutely like the most uncomfortable situation I ever seen. Amen. <laughs> Amen, somebody somebody right? Just the thought of being naked it makes us all uncomfortable. But you know what will get that person lost? Is when their sin is not hidden. When I got saved, Alfred, nobody knew my sin, but he did. That's how I got saved. Nobody knew what he knew, but he knew it. And with his word, he dealt with it. He stripped every covering I had and I was exposed in all of my wickedness. You say, preacher, he can't do that to my friend or my family or my love. He can. He absolutely can. Does that encourage you? It does me. It is a reminder that Jesus can save to the uttermost. He can reach anybody Anytime, anywhere, because it is the Word of God, and it is quick, powerful, sharp, and a discerner, and it has no thing that it cannot see completely through to the heart of every issue. I want you to know that what people need today to be saved is the Word of God. Well, I just landed on me like a pile of bricks. Listen. Whatever it takes. The word has got to go out. We can't shut the doors for no reason. We have got to preach it. We have got to get the word of God out. Who's to say that even now among us is one that needs to reckon Christ one that knows right now that they've not been honest with God and you know what his word has done it's exposed that he's not ashamed or in the least bit bashful There ain't been a time in my life that I ever walked in the door with sin in my life. He didn't. That's why you don't go to church when you're a sinner. You don't want to feel that. You don't want to know that exposure because you know just as soon as you get in the presence of God, in comes the Word. And you're naked. And God sees you. You know you've either got to run to him or run from him and you just didn't want to deal with that today so you didn't go to church at all. I believe he can find them in their homes. That's God I'm praying for that right now. They don't seem to want to come say, I'm praying he get them in their homes. The word of God can't get them in their home, not according to Paul. <laughs> Look, if he's quick, powerful, sharp, he can do it. There's no question the Word of God can get him. Come get a song. I need to be right with God in body, soul, and spirit. Amen. I need the Word of God to wash me body, mind, and soul. I need the Word of God to purify me and to make me what I need to be according to the Word of God, the the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. I need the renewing of my mind to occur as often as possible. And you know what does that? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Lord, forgive us. We've underestimated its power, I think. We've underestimated how fast that it is, and can work, right? And you know why we did that? A lot of us, have, a lot of us, have allowed the word of God to diminish in its quickness, power, and sharpness because we don't think God's doing anything right now, and so doubt has taken the place of faith. But I'm telling you right now, the word of God. Is all of those things beyond your wildest imagination. It is beyond everything we could imagine. The Word of God is more powerful. It is more sharp. It is more able. What we need to do is to be promoting the Word of God, bringing sinners into... The Bible said that faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. They have to hear Him. But if we, I believe if we can just get Him in His presence, He'll do some work. We need to keep at that. Take the Word wherever we can take it. Stand as we sing. If you're here tonight and you need to pray, we'll pray with you, pray for you, whatever you need. But don't leave if the Holy Spirit is identified in your life something you need to deal with. Let's deal with it. Let's let the Word of God accomplish what it set out to do in all of us, to expose us, open us, and to make us right before him. If you need him tonight, come as we pray.